Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. It's always it's a pleasure to be here to talk about our faith and share uh, our concerns, our thoughts, our feelings. We're going to talk about our spiritual health, our physical health, and our emotional health, our mental health, um, all in one because it's all happening at the same time. Right? If we're affected by one, we're going to be affected by another. And hopefully, through our Catholic faith, we can find some answers. Today's show, we're going to talk about trauma. And it's going to be an interesting show. It's going to be a good show. Nothing too intense if you've got the kiddos around or something like that. But we are going to talk about some serious topics. So you might want to use your judicious uh, uh, judgment and uh, decide whether or not uh, uh, you want kids around, um, because it's important to talk about trauma. It, there's been a lot going on lately, um, and I think that we need to explore a little bit more what's the difference between just anxiety versus am I experiencing a trauma? We are in an age, ladies and gentlemen, where there's a lot of things that are traumatic and, and can be traumatic. We're gonna define that, we're gonna see what does that mean clinically speaking, we're gonna talk about a case, and then we're also gonna have hope because what we wanna say is, how do I get past the trauma? I personally say pray like a saint, and I wanna see, I wanna go through a few prayers that the saints have said, um, just to see what this means for us and how, how this uh, uh, leads to our life because sometimes when we're in the moment of trauma, we feel like there's, you know, there's no solution and, and that's what it does to us. All right, well, Let's start like we always do here at the top of the noon hour with my scratchy mustache here. Um, we start with our, our Angelus prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God that we may become worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, you know, in our modern day society right now, um, we've been going through a lot of different things. A lot of people feel very anxious because there's so many different things going on. Geez, doc, do I get the shot? Do I not get the shot? Is this, do I have to be in quarantine? What is it that's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen in life? And that's causing a lot of anxiety. But believe it or not, we might be beyond anxiety. We might actually be experiencing trauma. Um, and we're going to explain that a little bit. We're going to go through the show today 
I'm going to explain to you what's the difference between anxiety and trauma first to begin with. And then hopefully we can go through a case and see. And then after that, we can see how do we improve that as Catholics? How would the saints have done it? Because obviously the saints went through trauma. I think the only trauma we should go through is spiritual trauma, the trauma of trying to get closer to God and the fear of not achieving that. And so sometimes we can look at some of the prayers of the saints to see what they say. Um, how did they pray to God to help us to understand how to pray? So, uh, things to keep in mind, first of all, anxiety, if we're going to talk about anxiety and being worried in this world, it's a perfectly normal human emotion. That's the first thing to consider. Okay. So anxiety is normal. I would hope that everybody experiences anxiety if you're in this world, because it can actually be a survival mechanism. It's very primitive. If you go back to caveman days, early times, you know, people got anxious. Why? Because you had to get away from the lion because you had to protect your cave because you had to survive. In our modern day society, boy, if somebody cuts me off on the freeway, I better get a little bit anxious and react, right? Hopefully anxiety is going to lead me to react in a way that I'm going to hit my brakes or swerve or be able to get away from a situation that's dangerous. And that's a very, very positive uh, form of anxiety or of, of uh, a reaction in that situation that, boy, man, that really freaked me out. It caused me a lot of anxiety, but that's a good thing because it was survival. But then the question is, when does it become a problem? When does it become an issue where all of a sudden it's not so healthy anymore? All of a sudden my anxiety is too overwhelming. Well, let's back up a little bit before we get to that. Let's look at what's normal or normative. Let's, let's normalize this. So let's normalize the difference between fear and anxiety. I know we've talked about this before. Um, fear of course, is just the fear of the present moment. Something's going to happen right now. And it puts me into fight or flight mode, meaning that I'm, I want to run away from the situation. So actually those situations that I mentioned before, if I'm being cut off on the freeway, I actually experience fear because somebody cut me off and right in that moment, I'm going to, I'm going to react to that. Right? So I, I'm afraid right in the moment. Anxiety is actually fear of the future meaning that I now I'm afraid of something that's going to happen. So now that that happened, um, you know, now I got cut off. Now I'm really afraid that's going to happen again. So down the road, now I'm vigilant. So instead of taking action, now I'm just vigilant and I hang back and I look for every car and I assume every car is going to cut me off. And that can be a very paralyzing thing. How do we know that it's paralyzing? Well, if I'm anxious for more than six months, that's going to be a, a good sign that now I'm not able to function. You know, is it interfering with my ability to get to work and do my work well? Is my anxiety, whatever I'm anxious about, interfering with me being able to have a good relationship with my spouse, with my kids, with anything along those lines? That's going to be important to consider. Okay. And there's all different types of anxieties, right? There's social anxiety. I don't know how to get along in crowds. I, I feel like the limelight's on me. I'm going to say something wrong. Boy, I, you know, I was talking to a few people. I said something and ah, they're going to be talking about me. I just know it. I made a really bad impression. I don't know about that. I feel very embarrassed. And that can be a, a social anxiety type. So I know a lot of people experience that, or there could be, um, social phobias or I'm sorry, specific phobias. So there's social anxiety, there's specific phobia. Gosh, I'm afraid of enclosed spaces. I don't know. There's a, a, a somewhere I can't leave. Uh, I can't, I, I don't want to go into a small room. I don't want to go into an elevator, but wait a minute. Don't you work on like the 30th floor? How are you going to get up there? That's a lot of flight of stairs, you know? Yeah, but I can't do the elevator. I'm, I'm so, uh, I feel claustrophobic, meaning that I'm, a, I'm afraid of, of being in a small space. Yeah, but if you're going to go up the staircase after a while, does the staircase feel like a small space? I don't know. You know, how much does the anxiety build? The anxiety can build and not be rational. 
What about uh, things like panic disorder? People can get so anxious that they end up in the hospital. They really feel like they're having a heart attack. The body's reacting. The body, you're having palpitations and sweats and the brain's reacting saying, oh my gosh, you're going to die. You end up in the hospital and they tell you, nope, nothing's wrong with you. And you think, boy, these docs sure don't know what they're doing. And sure, sure enough, you know, they tell you, no, you're fine. It's just you were experiencing anxiety. They give you something for your anxiety. You calm down. You feel a little bit better. And you're like, whoa, that was very anxiety provoking. You know, there's all these different types of anxieties we experience. Some people experience generalized anxiety, meaning that they're just anxious all the time. It doesn't matter what's going on. You know, we want to go somewhere. No, I can't because, uh, you know, something bad's going to happen. Oh, I don't know. Why don't we just take a walk down the street? No, there's going to, we'll get mugged. Okay. You know what? Let's get out of here. Let's take a drive and, and just go out into the countryside. No, the car's going to break down. Okay, fine. Let's, why don't we take a trip somewhere? Let's go to a beautiful island or something. Let's, no, I'm afraid of flights. So these are sometimes generalized anxiety can happen and we're just afraid and anxious about everything, right? So these things can happen and sometimes you need treatment for that. Uh, you might want to talk to a therapist. You want to talk to a, a psychiatrist, a doctor, uh, whoever it is, um, to deal with these anxieties. But sometimes we go through life feeling very, very anxious and we think, oh, I suffer from anxiety. Maybe I should go talk to, to somebody about this. But sometimes the anxiety is due to a trigger or something that might have happened beforehand. Now, granted, you know, in this world now, everybody's saying that everything is a trigger. I'll trigger warning. That triggered me. And, you know, we're using the word trigger uh, very loosely. But here in the world of trauma, maybe your anxiety is coming because you experience a particular trauma in your life. Um, and, and that's what's causing it. That's, what, that's what's making it so that you can't function well. Let's define trauma. What is a trauma that would have caused a heightened sense of anxiety or a heightened sense of awareness? So trauma is defined as an exposure to an actual or threatened death, right? A serious injury, sexual violence, or anything along those lines. So somewhere where you have zero control and something really bad is going to happen, either you're seriously going to be injured, you're going to die, or there's some kind of violence perpetrated towards you, uh, whether it be sexual or physical or emotional or things along those lines, that's a trauma and it can leave you very, very heightened. You know, and this can happen in a few different ways. So it, it could be that you experience it directly. So let's say you were in a car accident and boy, that was traumatic. I never want to be, I thought I was going to die. I can't get into cars for a little while. I don't know about that, that, that you, so you experience that directly. Or let's say that you saw a car accident happen. Oh my goodness. I was on the corner. I was about to cross the street. These two cars collided. Unfortunately, there was a fatality and I saw that boy, that was impactful. That really impacted me. That can happen. Or let's say that you heard about a good family member uh, who was in a car accident and you're like, oh, your cousin was just in an accident. Oh my goodness. That can impact you in such a way that you're so traumatized that it's going to cause anxiety, that it's going to cause all these different symptoms we're going to talk about. But think about it. That's going to impact you just from something you heard about, not even something that you necessarily directly experienced. Or it can happen. Trauma can happen for anybody who's directly exposed to this. So let's say that you're the paramedics or you're the firefighters and you're constantly going to car accidents. That can be really hard because you see this all the time. And after a while, it's really, really grating on the brain. Okay. I mentioned a car accident, but in today's day and age, there's different things, different traumas that we're experiencing that can actually be uh, true triggers for post-traumatic stress disorder. And we're going to get into the details of post-traumatic stress disorder, but just to give a few examples, just in case anybody's experiences, what's going on in society right now that could be causing trauma. Remember, and I said, it's exposure to actual or threatened, meaning that remember we said that either you were there, you saw it happen, you heard about it to a close friend, or you see it all the time. Um, and it's threatened death, serious injury, or violence, right? It could be sexual violence, emotional violence towards you. What are the different traumas that we might be experiencing in our modern day society? Well, you know, there's different types of death at the same time. There's all these different things that can be happening in our society that can be causing us trauma, that can be making us feel like 
hey, I was just exposed to something very violent without it being something necessarily physical or outside of us. It could be something social. We have to be very, very keen to these cues. And we're gonna have to talk about these when we come back from the break to see why am I experiencing anxiety? Or am I actually experiencing post-traumatic stress? More when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to Dr. Lee Sandoval's show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we are talking about anxiety versus trauma. What is it in our society that could be causing either of these? And really being able to recognize, are we going through PTSD? Because I think a lot of people are nowadays and they don't even know how to recognize it. As always, I'd love to reach out to my listeners, uh, to our listeners here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Feel free to email me uh, if you have any questions, comments, ideas for shows, uh, or any thoughts. Um, <clears throat> or you can email me at doctor, that's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. It's on the screen there. That's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. All right. Well, how do we know if you're experiencing trauma or anxiety? We went through a little bit of, of anxiety. We went through a few different anxieties that people might experience, but some of that anxiety you might be experiencing or some of the symptoms you might be experiencing might actually be the result of trauma. So let's talk about trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder. How do we define it? How do we know we have it? And what could have caused it? Well, the first thing is, if you are experiencing a intense stress and intense fear. Um, it could be from acute stress disorder. It could be three days to one month, more or less. And we call that acute stress disorder. Yeah. Okay. You know, you had that car accident, something bad happened and you're really scared, but it's lasted for about a month and then it goes away. Okay. It did not go into the realm of post-traumatic stress. Now, how do we know it's post-traumatic stress? Well, once it's been past the month and you're experiencing symptoms of trauma, then we can start to say, hey, this could be something more like post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's talk about the symptoms so we know what we are talking about. Really, there's four categories of symptoms, okay? So there's the four categories are this. They are symptoms of intrusion or what we call re-experiencing. There are avoidance symptoms. There are cognition and mood symptoms. And there are symptoms of arousal, okay? So let's talk about those a little bit. Um, and let's talk about what could have caused them. So in today's day and age, is there anything going on that could possibly be causing you post-traumatic stress disorder? Hmm, interesting, let's see. So symptoms of intrusion or re-experiencing. You have memories of the event. You have dreams of the event. You are having dissociations or flashbacks of the event. You're having psychological distress due to things that remind you of the events, and you even have physiological or bodily reactions to these events. Well, let's talk about this. Let's see what could be happening in modern day society. All of a sudden you turn on the news and what do we see? We see a lot of infighting, a lot of things that we're not sure what's going to happen. Um, is this enough for a trauma? Is this enough to say that it's a death? Well, I would dare say if there's a death of a job, that could be very traumatic. You know, we're in a society where a lot of people are afraid to say things or say how they feel because if you share your feelings, sometimes it's very off-putting to people around you. And depending on where you live, depending on where you are, that can actually cause you to either lose friendships, lose colleagues as friends, or even lose a job. You could get fired if you don't do certain things. You know, there's some jobs out there where if you don't get that vaccine that's out there, boy, they're not going to let you back in and you better come up with a good excuse as to why you didn't get it. Um, there's, you know, you, if you send your kids to school nowadays, are you allowed to be in charge of what's being taught to your kids? You know, it's kind of a death of parenting, um, if you will. And can that be traumatic? 
Absolutely, because you're experiencing a death of life as you understand it, right? Now there's this virus going around, we're still learning about it, people are dying from it, not dying from it, but if you had a loved one who did die from, uh, they say a COVID-related death, um, now you're gonna be afraid of getting it yourself. You found out for that a loved one of yours uh, experienced something or uh, a death, uh, um, they experienced something traumatic and you know about it, it hits close to home, um, that could be very traumatic as well. Are you experiencing any result of that? We've been in quarantine for almost two years. Um, is that traumatic for you? You know, all of a sudden the stores are changed. There's been a death to the life as we knew it. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen. This is a new life. So all, there's all these different deaths. Sometimes we think about death strictly in the physical sense, you know, the Adam and Eve sense of, you know, you're not going to die if you eat the fruit of the tree, right? You're not, you're still going to be physically alive. You're going to exist. But inside, spiritually, there's a death. And as Catholics, we recognize that death is more than just the physical. There's a martyrdom that can happen. And sometimes we call it a dry martyrdom because we don't see blood. But all of a sudden, we're experiencing, if you're experiencing martyrdom, there's no question that in martyrdom, there's death, right? That's by definition, you're dying, you're being killed for your faith. And as Catholics, if we stand up for our faith, there might be some death involved. So <clears throat> let's look at this. Let's look at these symptoms and do they persist? Do they, do they ring true for anybody? So these intrusion symptoms are re-experiencing memories of being fired, memories of being told that what you're thinking is wrong or what you're saying is wrong. Are you having nightmares? Are you currently not able to sleep well? <clears throat> are you having dissociation or flashbacks of being in that position uh, where you're made to feel that way? You know, so those are the intrusion symptoms, uh, symptoms that you don't want to have, but they just kind of come up. Nobody wants to have bad dreams, but they're just happening. Are you experiencing trauma or is it just an anxiety? All right, well, let's look at other symptoms that can happen. Avoidance symptoms. Um, there's internal reminders. Uh, when you experience a trauma, did somebody in your family pass away? Did they die? And they died at a particular hospital. Do you remember where they sat? You know, do you in the household? Uh, do you remember if they used to visit? And so all of a sudden you're going to have these interior reminders that can actually make you feel really, really bad. These are the scars that we don't see. These are the wounds that we don't see. This is all internal death that's happening. And are you having any memories or thoughts or feelings about what's going on? Do you not drive by the hospital? Um, because when you drive by there, uh, you're going to have these internal, rem or actually the internal reminders are on their own, not even driving by. They're just on their own. Is it that your mind is reminding you of this? Are you thinking about it all the time? But then there's external reminders of what happens. And this is be more like driving by a hospital where somebody passed away or even driving by that street where there was a car accident. You don't want to do that. The external reminders that are going to cause symptoms of avoidance are is any place or a person who reminds you of it. You know, you see, is there a doctor in the family, but the doctor who you spoke to before was really rude. Um, are there things that remind you of this? <clears throat> you know, there's symptoms of avoidance that you're going to avoid these people. You're going to avoid these places because they're going to remind you of what you experienced. That's a sign of trauma. You know, was there any violation in your life? Did anybody abuse you? You know, you're obviously going to want to avoid that person. You're probably going to want to avoid the room or the place you were when the, where the abuse happened. Um, you know, all these symptoms of avoidance are going to happen. But remember, and we all say this is natural. The question is, how long has this been going on for? Has this been going on for years? Do you have a chronic traumatic experience where you, you can't go by the same place? You can't function well? That can be very, very debilitating. <clears throat> What's another type of symptom that we experience with trauma? 
So first we talked about the intrusion symptoms, the memories, the dreams, the dissociations, or the flashbacks in our minds. And those flashbacks, by the way, we didn't specify, but it could be like soldiers who were at war and they come back, right? PTSD classically would think of the military. They were in a war type situation and they came back and all of a sudden they might hear a loud sound that sounds like a gunshot and it takes them right back to that situation, right? Well, a lot of people will say, we're in a spiritual war right now. We're in an internal war. We're at odds with different people who have different ideas and we're not able to share ours. <clears throat> so dissociation or flashbacks, we talked about avoidance symptoms. Now let's talk about cognition and mood symptoms. These are important because they can overlap with other things so they can be happening at the same time. And we might think, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm just experiencing anxiety or maybe I'm just experiencing some depression. Um, but little do we know, is this tied to an, a, an event, a traumatic event? Do we experience some kind of an, an abuse, uh, whether it be a physical abuse or sexual abuse at the hands of a loved one uh, did, or a family member, shall we say? Probably not a loved one anymore. Um, did we experience any kind of trauma or abuse at work? Every time we go to work, is somebody really traumatizing us because they're mean to us? They say things and we don't want to make a scene. We feel victimized. So what's going to happen to our cognition and our mood? How are we going to think? Well, how many times do you have lapses of memory where you're like, I don't even remember what's going on right now. I think I'm losing my memory. I think I'm, I'm getting demented. Um, you know, what's going on? I'm going to talk to my doc. And as I talk to people, I'm like, well, one of the things is that if you don't remember something and you remember that you don't, you don't remember something, you probably don't have dementia. But it's very common if somebody's experienced depression or anxiety or trauma that we're not thinking as clearly. You know, I can't take a test anymore at school. I can't remember things. My memory's really bad. Um, that's very, very common. Um, negative automatic thoughts, you know, this is what we'll wake up in the day and I was like, I'm terrible. I'm always bad. I'm always making mistakes. I'm always off putting to people. I'm always, and we do all the always and nothing's ever positive. We're really, really good at beating ourselves up. You know, this can happen after a trauma. If you experience something traumatic, all of a sudden the mind can go into this very negative, dark place where all your thoughts are just really bad. You know, you start blaming yourself for everything. You feel guilty. Boy, I feel like I did something wrong. I feel like I'm going to be arrested for something, even though I didn't do something. I feel like I'm going to go into the into a store and people are going to tell me that they're going to point their finger at me and say, oh, I'm, I'm the, the perpetrator. I'm stealing something. I'm like, I just put it in my shopping cart. But the mind plays these tricks on us after we've experienced a trauma where we're not going to be able to think straight. So we do a lot of the self-blaming, the negative automatic thoughts. Are we experiencing fear? Do I always feel like something bad's going to happen right now and I don't know where to go? I just feel like something bad's going to happen. Um, do I also experience what we call anhedonia or just a lack of motivation? Can't get out of bed. You know, a day off, I, I strictly get out of bed to go to work, but on my day off, boy, I'd rather just stay in bed and sleep all day. I don't want to get up. I don't want to do anything. That's called anhedonia. And then there's a big one, it's called detachment. Detachment mentally, that can be very, very devastating to families because all of a sudden, um, emotional detachment means that I can't form that connection. So I don't even feel married. This is where couples might even get divorced because they say, there's just no relationship here. It's not even, it's a bad or a good relationship. It's just that you don't engage with me. You don't talk to me. You sit in the corner, you're in your room all day and we have no relationship. That person might be experience, experiencing some detachment following a trauma, you know, how many people have been abused and they don't want to talk to anybody. And everybody understands that because you can say, well, yeah, something happened to them, but that's because something external happened to them. What about now in our world? Are we internally traumatized and people aren't going to get it. They're going to say, what's your problem? Get up. Come on. Got to go to work. You got to go do this. You got to go do that. But do they get that? There's been a trauma that's been experiencing that you can't see. It's internal. You're wounded internally. That can be a, a, a very frustrating. Um, and then there's also symptoms in the fourth category of arousal. 
being startled, being on edge. You can't sleep. You're irritable. You're angry. So imagine somebody being detached and on top of that, they're angry and irritable. That's not going to make for a good relationship or a healthy relationship. And we see this all the time. Again, we go back to the, the classic as the military. Uh, you know, they come back from a war type situation and we tell them, oh gosh, you're back here in civilization. You should be okay. You don't have to worry about anything now because now you're safe. There's no war going on here. You know, there's no bullets flying. But they can't get their mind out of that situation. If they hear any noise, any loud bang, their brain reacts as if they were in the war type setting, as though they were about to die. Um, they're always on edge. They're always going to be irritable because they're always on guard, right? So the brain is back, the body's back here, but the mind is still in the traumatic event. And that's what can happen to us as well if we're experiencing internal traumas, uh, if we're experiencing internal uh, martyrdoms. We can be experiencing these symptoms. Why is this important to talk about? Because I've noticed that a lot of patients have been really on edge, really uh, frustrated, and they can't put their finger quite on it. You know, they've lost family members. They've had to change jobs. A lot of people have decided to move. Um, they're worried about their children and their child's well-being, and they don't know what's going to happen. All these things can be a sign of post-traumatic stress disorder. And the reason I bring it up is you want to get help. You want to talk to somebody about it because how do we treat post-traumatic stress disorder? Well, there's a few different ways. The first thing I would say is a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to take medication. Okay. We don't have to talk about medication just yet, but what about just good old fashioned therapy? What about um, going and get some therapy, uh, going to talk to somebody just to say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Um, this is, and it can just be talk therapy, as we, as we say. It doesn't have to be any specific type. Just kind of got to bounce things off of somebody. That's one way to treat it. Um, another way to treat it, well, we're almost going to come up on the break. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about different types of therapies, different modalities that we can do. We can talk about therapies. We can talk about medications. And we can talk about things outside of the medical field. Um, that we can do because we want to look at the spiritual realm as well. Uh, more about that when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we are talking about trauma. Really, we're talking about anxiety and trauma and really how to overcome it. Before we can even talk about it, though, we have to recognize it. Uh, we have to know what's happening. We have to know um, that it's been happening or that we might have experienced something that could have caused us to be in a state of post-traumatic stress, which is more intense and much harder to treat than just anxiety. Uh, and I say just anxiety, not to discount anxiety. Anxiety is very debilitating for anybody experiencing it. Uh, it can be very, very hard. But in reality, you know, PTSD, um, it's a little bit different in that there was something that happened and we don't know how to come to terms with it. We don't know how to come to grips with it. Um, there was a trauma that we experienced in our lives. And a lot of people say, oh, you're just anxious about it. Um, sure, there's a component of anxiety to PTSD, but there's a lot more to that that can be very, very debilitating. It can be very hard to live with. And I think one of the hardest parts and the reason people don't get help all the time is because we talk to ourselves. And remember, I mentioned that there's a symptom of negative automatic thoughts. And so we start telling ourselves, I should be over this by now. What's wrong with me? I'm weak. I don't want to go over there and talk to somebody so that they can tell me how weak I am. I don't want them to see how weak I am. You know, all these different things are happening through our in our minds. Other people are telling us the same thing. What's wrong with you? You should be, you know, it happened years ago. Get over it. Move forward. But if the brain is still in that mode, you could be experiencing post-traumatic stress. 
and it's something that needs to be addressed directly. Um, let's talk about a few cases, and we're gonna, we were talking about treatments, different types of treatment, but let's talk about a couple of cases that have come up at work um, or different places I've worked. Actually, these aren't from my current employment. These are from other places. Um, and that can be very, very traumatic to people. One time I was treating a homeless person, and it's interesting to think about homeless uh, homelessness, and when we think, gosh, there's different ways people get to homelessness. Now, the reality is some people want to be homeless. Some people choose that life. But a lot of times we think, oh, somebody wouldn't choose that life. Uh, you know, there are people who are homeless. Uh, they just need help. They need they need a, a program or something, and I know for a fact that they will get off their, you know, uh, off to a good start and, and rebuild their lives and, you know, get into an apartment, a home or something, get a good job. But the reality is a lot of people choose to be homeless and, you know, they've gotten homeless or they've, they've learned to live that way. And, and even with, uh, uh, help or resources, they say, no, I, you know, I'm good. Okay. But this was a different case. It was a case of a patient who had been an engineer and what happened to him is his wife passed away. So remember PTSD can come from experienced death, uh, whether obviously, you know, a moment of where we thought we were going to die or somebody close to us passed away. Well, his wife passed away. He had a good job, you know, and they had a few kids. Um, and actually they had two kids. And once his wife passed away, he could not get himself to rebuild his life. He had a really good job and every, he was doing well at his job. Um, and everybody kept telling him, gosh, you know, we're very sorry. Of course, your wife passed away. She passed away from an illness, from a medical illness. And, you know, they went to the funeral, they had the whole ceremony, she was buried, he spent some time with his kids, took some time off work, um, and then all of a sudden we think, dude, it's time to rebuild your life now, right? So that already happened, and now you got these kids to look after, and they're holding your job for you. What a what a better situation to be in out of a, out of a, such a negative place. And we can make that judgment from the outside easily because that's the way we see it in society. It's normal to think of it that way. There's nothing wrong with thinking about it that way. But we have to take into account the person. And for him, it was just, he was not able to move forward. He was not able to move forward in this life, even to take care of his kids. The kids ended up going to live with family members. So he did have a sister and she took the kids and she was raising them. But he couldn't get himself to get, as we say, get over the fact that his wife passed away. He couldn't get himself to go back to work to rebuild his life the way we know it. Um, and so little by little, he started, you know, drinking and drinking was a, not because he was alcoholic, uh, but drinking was just a form to, of escape to get away from it, to quiet the brain, to quiet the thoughts, to quiet the negative automatic thoughts that, that I mentioned, um, to get rid of the memories, to get rid of those symptoms of intrusion. So a lot of times people will turn to drugs, not because they like drugs themselves, but because they are trying to get away from the experience that they're having, the symptoms that they're having. And so he was having symptoms of intrusion. Obviously he was having a lot of memories of his wife. He loved her dearly. Um, he would have nightmares where he felt that he killed her. Um, remember she died from a medical illness, but his nightmares involved her dying and involved. He felt very guilty, uh, somehow felt guilty about, uh, her death, even though it had nothing to do with him, but that was another symptom. Remember the other symptom was that we are going to feel guilty. We're going to feel like we're always at fault or something along those lines. There's a lot of self blaming. Um, he couldn't remember things. He couldn't function anymore at work. And that's why he didn't go back. He couldn't give a presentation. His cognition was off. Um, and on top of that, one of the biggest things that we see here, and it is kind of obvious just from the story is that he had detachment, 
right? He had, he was emotionally attached. He wasn't, uh, sometimes after a traumatic event like that, we say, gosh, you know, I'm really, really sad. I miss my spouse, but I gotta be strong for my kids and I gotta look after my kids. And, and that shows a healthy attachment that, yeah, I you know, this is terrible. This is sad. I never want, I want my spouse to die, but I have to be there for my children. I have to be there and help them grow and help them get into a good position in life and things of that nature. Um, you know, but he couldn't get there. He, he, he had that detachment. He wasn't checking up on his kids. He wasn't talking to his kids. He ended up homeless. He couldn't pay for his home, his home anymore. They had to sell it all that. He left to his kids. He didn't care. He got to the point where he didn't care. And so now I met him because I was working, uh, with homeless people at the time and, you know, we're treating him for his illnesses. He's, he ended up with illnesses, uh, more into the elements. We were doing some skin wounds that he had, uh, because he was out on the streets. He was exposed to the sun and the rain and whatnot. Um, and that was very challenging for him. Um, and that was very hard for him. And it was hard to get him out of this trauma because even though he was being given medication, even though we were doing things for him, you know, most people would say, you need to get over this because you could have built your life. But at the same time, that's how powerful this can be. That's how powerful a traumatic event can be. You know, that was one, one patient. He continued to remain homeless. Uh, he had no aspirations to change his lifestyle. He grew into that lifestyle. And I think out of that self-blame, out of that guilt, I don't think he felt he deserved to not be homeless. I think in many ways it was his own self-punishment. Um, and we do that sometimes after a traumatic event. We say, you know, we can easily fall into this place where I don't deserve anything good. I deserve to be punished. And so um, whether we were right or wrong, um, we, we get into this mode of, yeah, whatever bad happens to me, that's fine. And we stop fighting. And really that's what the hardest thing is in the spiritual life. When we look at the saints and the martyrs is why I say, how do the saints pray? What, what do they say? When we look at the saints and the martyrs, um, they kept fighting regardless of what was happening to them because they knew that their cause was just. And that's what we got to keep in our hearts. Was, our, was my cause just? Was I trying to do the best for this person? Was I trying to help this person out? Was I trying to make them feel better? Um, was I really guilty for hurting my wife? What did I, you know, am I really guilty for her death? I have to come to the realities of truth that sometimes things happen in life that we're not able to, um, overcome that we're not able to, uh, that we have no control over, but if we're blaming ourselves for it, we could end up in these situations. It's okay to feel this way. And it's important to talk about these symptoms as to why we feel this way. Um, but it's also important to come out of that. So if we are, if anybody is experiencing a dry martyrdom out there, if anybody is experiencing feeling um, down and feeling traumatized because they're being attacked. And this can happen even at church. I mean, you know, you go to church and you're trying to pray and people uh, don't like you because you said something and they think that you think you're super holy or something, miscommunication, and all of a sudden you're ostracized from prayer groups for crying out loud or things of that nature. You know, and of all places when we're in church and we have prayer groups, we're supposed to welcome anybody who wants to come to pray, but that can be traumatic for people as well, right? You're trying to live a holy Catholic life. You're trying to follow all the tenets of the faith. And all of a sudden there's infighting that can happen. Now, to what extent is that trauma? It really depends on the person and the sensitivities. Depends on what their normal sensitivity is. One of the patients I had, she had been unfortunately sexually abused by her uncle when she was a little girl in Mexico. You know, and I heard about this trauma and she said that, you know, it happened from the time she was seven to 12 years old. And the reason it was happening is because, you know, there's family members and they would spend the weekend there and the sister would come over and her mom would go over and her uncle would go over. And so everybody would go over and spend time as a family. And sadly, she was being abused. 
And this was very hard uh, for her because how do you explain it to your family members? She was afraid to tell her mom, afraid that her mom wouldn't believe her. And sure enough, as an adult now, she told her mom about it later and her mom didn't believe her. And that can be really, really hard, um, whether because the mom didn't want to believe it, didn't want to believe that her brother was doing this or didn't believe her anyway. That can be really hard for us because if we look at that in our own lives and we experience a trauma, again, some of these traumas are internal. You can't see them. People might feel sorry for you if you were in a car accident and unfortunately you lost a limb and then they can see it and they can say, oh, of course, of course that's traumatic. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be traumatic for the rest of your life because I can see that that's traumatic for you. And all of a sudden it's validated because there's something uh, very visible about it. But these scars that happen internally, that's where it gets a lot harder because something happened. Nobody saw it happen, but now I'm scarred internally. Now I'm carrying my own missing limb, shall we say, in my heart. Um, or as my children say, there's a wrinkle in my heart uh, that's not that's not easy to get unwrinkled, um, but nobody else can see it. And that's what's really hard. You know, this is where it's easy to be mean to people at work. You say something or somebody says something to you. Nobody heard it or saw it. The trauma happened. The event happened. But, you know, nobody's there to to see a broken limb. So you're not going to people aren't going to feel sorry for you. That can be a very, very lonely place. And it can add to the trauma for this patient. She was actually doing much better, you know, we're going to talk about therapy and how do we overcome these traumas? Well, she actually overcame the trauma, not through medication. Um, she was on medication for anxieties and whatnot. Uh, but as far as the events in her life, she decided that the best way she was going to overcome it or the best way that she was going to, uh, not be affected by it was to live her life. She was going to, as she, as we say, take control back, you know, she was going to be in a position where she didn't want uh, the events to define her. And she said, I'm not going to take this victim role that, oh, I'm so bad. And she said, even if I were, let's say a trauma would have happened to her where she was in a wheelchair, she would say, well, it's fine. I'm in a wheelchair. And then I'm going to go figure out how to live life in a wheelchair without, with getting as little help as possible, help where we need it, but little help as possible. So she said that she decided she was going to live her own life and move forward. What she was still struggling with though, was forgiving this person. And most of us would say, yeah, of course, you know, I don't know she needs to forgive the person. Uh, unfortunately, any trauma that happens to us, our church will teach us. Jesus Christ told us you have to forgive. I say, unfortunately, because it hurts. You know, unfortunately, there's pain associated with forgiveness, but we can never deny, you know, if we're going to say, I don't know, it's too hard to forgive. And then Christ is going to look at us and say, I forgave from the cross. I forget while I was, be I forgave while I was being nailed. Then he say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So if we experience trauma at the hands of someone else, Yes, that can happen. We can start to think about forgiveness. But if we experience a trauma that was not at the hands of anybody else, sometimes we have to learn to forgive the event. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we see how the saints pray and what that means in our lives. But let's talk about trauma. Let's say that you are experiencing trauma and you're going to go to a therapist. Oh, we're going to do it at the other side of the break. So at the other side of the break, we're going to talk about treatment. We're going to talk about physical treatment in terms of medication. We're going to talk about mental treatment in terms of therapies. And we're going to talk about spiritual treatment. How do the saints approach this? How, would, how do they pray? Because we know that the saints experienced trauma in different ways. It was not an easy life to be a saint. There was always sacrifice associated with it. More on treatment when we come back from the break. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Always a pleasure to be here for the hour of the show. Uh, hopefully, our shows are uh, helpful to you and helpful in your Catholic 
faith, uh, please go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. You can find all of our shows there, um, different shows. I, I like listening to all of them, actually. You know, I always find something new. I'll listen to Jesse and Terry, or I'll listen to Jesus 911, or uh, The Bar History. Uh, the new show, Night Moves, I think is a great show. I always like to listen to Hands On Apologetics. I always learn something new. I always uh, hear something new. Um, you know, No Nonsense Catholic. These are all great shows, I think, that really bring our faith together and help us in different areas of our faith. I don't think there's any one show that I would say, this is it. This is the one show. I think you got to listen to them all so that we can get all different types of um, thoughts so that we can get different types of perspectives on what it means to be Catholic. And at the end of the day, you know, today we're talking about trauma. We're talking about things that different things that happen to us. How do we get through this? We're going to get through it by thinking like Catholics. We're going to get through it by <clears throat> learning about our Catholic faith so that we can live like Catholics and that we can be Catholic because at the end of the day, Jesus is going to be the ultimate treatment. You know, it's easy to say, it's hard to do to think, well, all I need is Christ because Christ is also going to tell us, Hey, I'm also giving you, you know, healing powers through uh, treatment from your doctors. I'm giving you healing powers by listening to good advice from your friends. I'm giving you healing powers um, by reading the lives of saints and coming to me to pray. He's going to say, do it all. I gave you a physical body. I gave you a mind. I gave you a soul. And you need to tend to all of those. So let's talk about treatment. If anybody has experienced trauma, if anybody feels that they're experiencing trauma right now, um, one of the first things that we say is, well, why don't you go to therapy? Why don't you just talk to somebody? And what are the different types of therapies that we might have? Well, you might have a CBT therapy where you think about, you know, I always say it's important to think like a Catholic so that we can live like Catholics, so we can be Catholics. Essentially, that's CBT therapy. You know, it's how you think, how you feel, uh, and what you do, right? How do you, how do you think, how do you, um, how are you, how do you, how do we be, um, and how do we live all at the same time? Because how I think is going to affect how I feel. How I feel is going to affect what I do. What I do is going to affect how I think. What I do is also going to affect how I feel and it all goes, it's all interlaced. So sometimes going to therapy and saying, I want CBT therapy so I can think a little bit about this trauma, this anxiety I have so that I know how to act about it um, so that I can affect how I feel about it. So I'm not feeling so traumatized. So that's one way to go. CBT therapy. Another thing is exposure therapy. Sometimes people say, well, you know, if you had a car accident, to give an example, well, then you kind of got to go by that place. Drive by that street or nearby. Let's say you don't drive exactly by the place where the accident happened, but maybe you drive a few blocks away um, and you say, gosh, I'm getting closer to the place. I'm not feeling comfortable. I go away. Okay. Well, next time, maybe you get a little bit closer. Maybe you just inch in a block or two um, at a time. So that's the exposure therapy. That's important to consider um, when we have to face what happened to us is what we say. Um, there's also just basic talk therapy, you know, going to somebody and just saying, Hey, I just need to talk about what happened. And sometimes we feel better. Hopefully the other person is not talking too much. Hopefully they're a good listener. Hopefully your therapist is a good listener. Um, and that's going to be important because it'll help calm, calm the soul, so to speak. Um, if we did experience any trauma, there's medication treatment, of course. Uh, if the therapy is not enough, if you're not functioning well, if you feel like my body's not responding to my thoughts, maybe I do want to get out of bed, but my body won't follow. Uh, I keep thinking about everything I want to accomplish, but my body's just not doing it. So that, that can happen as well. Um, and sometimes you do need medications. You might want to talk to your therapist or psychiatrist about the right type of medication. You want to make sure you don't have too many side effects. You want to make sure you don't have interactions. You want to make sure that you get the right medication on board so that you do feel better. Um, and you know, a lot of people worry about, am I going to be addicted to medication? Am I going to need it my whole life? It really depends on your situation. If somebody's had a history, say of chronic depression and chronic anxiety, and on top of that, they experience a traumatic event, 
well, you might need medication for a while. You never know. You know, I can't say for sure or for certain, but it's things that you need to talk about with your therapist, your psychiatrist individually, um, which will be good. Um, I think it's very helpful to know that that is there and to have something there. And there's all different types. Ultimately, all this is for our benefit. So if you're ever trying a therapy modality or a treatment modality, um, you know, it might not, uh, and if it's not working for you, you don't find improvement from it, it's time to switch. It's time to look for something else. It's time to consider what do I need to do differently? You know, because then all of a sudden we talk about spiritual therapy. So we had a case I said where, you know, one of my patients was uh, unfortunately abused when she was a little girl by a family member. She decided that her form of therapy, her way to improve or get past that trauma was to live her best life, to move forward on her own and not give that person, as she said, the satisfaction of thinking that they got to the best of me, that I couldn't function because of what happened. Uh, but she wasn't ready to forgive them. And that's really, really hard because as Catholics, you know, Christ calls us to forgive from the cross. As Christ was being crucified, that's when he was forgiven. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do as he was being hurt, you know, as he was being killed. How many of us can say that? Well, I want to look at a few quotes from the saints because sometimes when we think about praying and we think, oh, the saints had it, you know, gosh, they're in heaven, they're there, I can never reach them. You gotta remember the saints suffered a lot. You know, there's no there's no entry to heaven without suffering. And so when we offer our sufferings to God, that's really our path to saintliness. Let's look at what the praying saints how the how the saints prayed. Um and that might help us to consider how do I get past a traumatic event or how do I spiritually approach it anyway? We talked about how to approach it, approach it physically. How do we approach it spiritually? So one of the ways, let's see, <clears throat> uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, obviously a, a big saint, great saint. Uh, how does he pray? What kind of a prayer does he teach us? What does he leave us with? One of the prayers he said was, teach us, good Lord, to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing that we do your will. <clears throat> so the only reward we want is to do God's will. I think that that's kind of something where, you know, that patient that I was mentioning, you know, uh, who's who's moving forward, who's saying, you know, I'm not going to let this define my life. I'm going to move forward. I think that's what Saint Ignatius, Saint Ignatius is praying here. He's saying, you know, give me uh, the give me fight and not to heed the wounds. I'm just going to move forward. I don't know what further wounds there are, but I'm going to move forward in my life. I'm going to give and not count the cost. I'm just going to give. I'm just going to, you know, almost blindly move forward through life. I don't know what the consequences are, but I'm going to feel better to toil and not seek for rest. So I'm going to work and I'm not going to worry about resting. I'm just going to keep working. I'm going to keep at it, um, to labor and not ask for any reward. So I'm not necessarily going to ask rewards for my spirit. And remember, these are spiritual labors. Obviously, if you have a job, you want to get paid. This is for spiritual labor. And then lastly, to save except for knowing that what we do is your will. So my only reward is God's will. I think that if we can kind of shift that thought, if my patient could shift that thought and, uh, you know, and say, well, I'm going to move forward in life. I'm going to show this person that they didn't get the best of me. Uh, I'm going to keep moving forward. Okay. That's great. But it should be, if we're going to put the spiritual bent on that, uh, we're going to say for us as Catholics, how do we think about that? Then we say, you know what, I'm going to move forward, but I'm going to move forward doing God's will. I'm just going to keep looking at what God wants in my life. Um, and move forward that way. That's my prayer, really. God, let me follow your will, regardless of what traumas are happening to me. Not that the traumas are okay, but get me, let me get past the trauma so I can I can get to your will. Let's see here. Who else is it that gives us a good way to pray? Um, St. Thomas More says, those things, good Lord, that we pray for, give us thy grace to labor for. So as we're praying to God, obviously, if we're going to pray, we're going to come to God. Um, and that which we pray for, 
He says, give us the grace to labor for. Again, it's about our work. It's about moving forward. We can't get stuck. You know, we're going to experience traumas in life, some more than others. I don't discount anybody's traumas or anybody's wounds. I never say, oh, you should get over that. No, we experience our own wounds. Whatever we're, whatever cross you feel you're carrying, that's your cross. And, and I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. I'm not going to tell you you should get over it. But it seems like all the saints keep saying or focusing on, at least from these quotes, we have to continue to labor. We can't stop. We can't let the trauma paralyze us. And unfortunately, that's what anxiety can do. If anybody feels paralyzed out there, if anybody feels like they're not moving forward out there, don't be surprised because that's what the trauma can do. That's what the anxiety can do. It can make it so that we feel like I'm stuck now. Now I now there's nothing left for me in life and I shouldn't move. And everything keeps saying, <clears throat> you know, our saints, our saints here keep saying, no, we have to labor. We still have to labor in this life. And what we have to labor for, what we should labor for is getting to know God more, regardless of what's happening on around us. Let's see what St. John of the Cross said. St. John of the Cross said, I did not know you, my Lord, because I still desire to know and delight in things. Well and good of all things change, Lord God, provided we are rooted in you. If I go everywhere with you, my God, everywhere things will happen as I desire for your sake. Again, now notice that this one is, I like that last line. If I go everywhere with you, my God, everywhere things will happen as I desire for your sake. Now that's not to say that traumas aren't, or you know, gosh, I'm never going to have a trauma again, or that bad things aren't going to happen. But if I am traveling with the Lord everywhere, um, then things are going to happen. I'm going to see things in a different light. Maybe I'm going to avoid situations that might've caused trauma. Maybe, you know, we got to have faith in our guardian angel that they're going to guide us in a certain way that they're going to move us forward. Again, that was St. John of the cross. And we know that he experienced great traumas. He experienced his dark night of the soul. He experienced different things in life. Um, and that's where, you know, they keep telling us it's about the will. It's about moving forward. It's about not being stuck in the trauma. I think that if we feel like we're stuck, that's the time to ask for help. That's the time to talk to somebody to say, Hey, let me run this by you. Am I thinking correctly? Or if somebody tells us, Hey, you got to get out of the situation. Am I going to listen to that? You know, am I going to, um, listen to that as a, as them encouraging me as a friend, or am I going to let those negative automatic thoughts think, uh, think for myself and, and all of a sudden think, see, even they think that I'm a loser, that I'm no good. Um, because they keep telling me that I'm in this bad place. So I'm a loser. No, for the most part, I think it's somebody telling you, I know that there's much more for you in life than what you're experiencing right now. And that can be very hard where you are. Let's look at another quote. This is a really good quote. Give me, O Lord, a steadfast heart, which no unworthy affection may drag downward. Give me an unconquered heart, which no tribulation can wear out. Give me an upright heart, which no unworthy purpose may tempt aside. That was St. Thomas Aquinas. So anybody knows St. Thomas Aquinas? Uh, we call him the angelic doctor, the patron saint of students. Let's read that one one more time because I think that one's very, very important. You know, it keeps talking about, you know, all I keep hearing in these saints is we got to keep moving forward regardless of what happens. There's a great line in this one. So I'll read it from the beginning. It's a short quote, but he says, give me O Lord, a steadfast heart, which no unworthy affection may drag downwards. But listen to this next line. Give me an unconquered heart, which no tribulation can wear out. That's where it is. You know, the tribulations are the traumas that are going to happen in life, but let my heart be for you and let it not be conquered. That reminds me of my patient who was saying, you know, gosh, I'm going to move forward in life. I'm the best, the best revenge I can have is that I'm going to be unconquered is the way she felt. She hadn't turned that towards God. She didn't have that sense of forgiveness yet. And that's okay. Hopefully I get that sense of forgiveness when I, when I find it hard to forgive other people. I think as we continue to work towards that, that's what's going to be important. 
that's ultimately what's going to matter. So again, hopefully we have unconquered hearts, which no tribulation can wear out in the midst of our traumas. So if anybody is experiencing trauma out there, let me tell you, I feel for you. That's hard. It's a hard way to live. We've all experienced traumas in life. Um, I don't ever want you to feel alone. And that's why I say that, uh, because it can be a very, very lonely, lonely place um, to, to feel that we're wounded, we're hurt, and nobody can understand us. And we're all alone. Ultimately, we want to make sure that we don't feel alone. Ultimately, we want to make sure that we're moving forward um, together and that we're conquering all this. So that at the end of the day, in the final words of St. Teresa of Lisieux, we can say, my God, I love you. What a powerful message that is. So remember, here at the Dr. Sandoval Show, hopefully we can think like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics and we can be Catholics. And until, we, until next week here at the clinic, as I always say, let's keep it Catholic. <laughs>